Welcome to Backlog Books. In this podcast, I will be recapping and discussing what I've been reading lately. My name is Kara. Thank you for joining me, and please be prepared for spoilers. I almost put off recording this episode just because it's been kind of a busy week, but then it started raining, and it really feels like this is the kind of book that's good, rainy weather reading. So, let's get started. This time, we are talking about The Quick by Lauren Owen. Here is the summary. London, 1892. James Norbury, a shy would-be poet newly down from Oxford, finds lodging with a charming young aristocrat. Through this new friendship, he is introduced to the drawing rooms of high society and finds love in an unexpected quarter. Then, suddenly, he vanishes without a trace. Unnerved, his sister, Charlotte, sets out from their crumbling country estate, determined to find him. In the sinister, labyrinthine city that greets her, she uncovers a secret world at the margins populated by unforgettable characters, a female rope-walker turned vigilante, a street urchin with a deadly secret, and the chilling Dr. Knife. But the answer to her brother's disappearance ultimately lies within the doors of one of the country's preeminent and mysterious institutions— the Egolius Club, whose members include the most ambitious and most dangerous men in England. The Quick was published in 2014. Our author, Lauren Owen, is from the UK. The Quick was her first novel. According to her website, in 2017, she completed a PhD in English literature with a thesis on vampires and the Gothic of Writing. You can actually read her thesis on her website if you want. There's a link to it there. She has a second book, Small Angels, which was published last year. Small Angels was actually a book of the month option, and I nearly picked it, but did not. I kind of wish I had picked it. I enjoyed the quick enough that I am interested in checking out what else she has written. So, I went into this book with kind of the expectation that it was a detective novel or a mystery based on the summary, and it's really not. If it was a detective kind of mystery novel, we'd follow Charlotte as she traveled to London and gradually pieced together what happened to her brother. Instead, we follow both James and Charlotte through nearly every step of their separate journeys. And to be clear, it was still good, it just wasn't what I had expected based on the summary. This really hits more like a gothic novel, which makes sense given that that's what Owen wrote her literal thesis on. It is in the vein of Frankenstein and Dracula. It also reminded me of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell by Susanna Clarke. Not quite the same, but kind of similar alternate-ish magical Victorian England. That covers a lot of ground, actually, so maybe that's not a helpful comparison. Set in the 1890s, the writing is atmospheric and winding, 
We wander through the hazy streets of London and the disparate people who find themselves there. This tale folds in the stories of several others whose lives briefly influence the path of the siblings. And we get more than a glimpse as the characters are introduced and touch on Charlotte or James's life. We learn their history, what led them to this place and time, and even what happens to them after the final pages. The book begins... In the childhood of James and Charlotte, they spend their youth neglected in a huge country manor house. Charlotte is older and spends her days keeping James amused and occupied, inventing games and trials for him to overcome. She's the one who teaches him how to read. They are surrounded by the decaying walls and gardens of their home and neglected by their father. And then their father unexpectedly returns home, only to waste away from a mysterious illness. They don't know what happened to him or where he has been. He is there one day and gone the next, and suddenly all they have is each other. After their father's death, the story leaps forward. James goes away to school, a long period which is only briefly mentioned. He and Charlotte have grown apart. Thanks to time and distance and certain events that unfolded around the time of their father's death, we really begin to follow James when he moves to London after school to try his hand at being a writer. He almost never manages to finish anything. He starts so many epic, tragic poems, but loses interest before the end or second-guesses himself. But he does make a friend— and he does fall in love, and for a brief time, he is happy. He barely thinks of his sister or the crumbling estate back home that he inherited, and must eventually decide what to do with. But by mere unhappy chance, he is caught up in events surrounding the mysterious Egolius Club. Which, fun fact for you... Egolius refers to owls. Egolius is like the Latin word for a screech owl. So the symbol of their club is, of course, a badger. I'm kidding, it's an owl, obviously. So James and his lover are attacked by members of this club, and his lover does not survive. But James wakes to find himself a prisoner of the club. They are an exclusive set of reclusive, elusive men. There are only ever, like, 50 members at a time. Their leader introduces himself and politely informs James that he is now a vampire. Okay, that's not quite how it happens, but that's the gist of it. Also, apparently it's like a huge spoiler to some people that there are vampires in this. I was reading some reviews that mentioned they were very surprised by that turn of events, but this was literally recommended to me as a vampire book, and I still really enjoyed it. So I hope that doesn't ruin anything for you if you decide to pick this one up. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, James does not want to be a vampire, 
can't imagine why. With the help of another prisoner of the club, one who has not yet been turned into a vampire, he escapes. James is set loose on the crowded streets of London, barely aware of what he is. A newborn vampire, loose, a danger to himself and everyone around him. Meanwhile, Charlotte has, this whole time, been back living near their old crumbling estate, looking after an elderly aunt. When the aunt dies and Charlotte hasn't heard from James, she comes to London in search of her brother. And immediately finds him, because after escaping from the club, James returned straight to the house that he was renting. So again... Not really a detective novel. Charlotte does immediately lose him again the next day because he runs away from her, afraid that he might attack her. And there is this inevitability dragging us forward through this book. Because it's all very well to say, as a freshly turned vampire, that you'll never drink human blood. And of course, James swears that very thing. But page by page, he gets worn down by his new senses, his new desires. Eventually, he does, of course, drink blood, and his next hard line drawn in the sand is, well, maybe I'll drink blood, but I won't ever kill anyone. And obviously, that falls away too, and it's just this gradual peeling away of his remaining humanity until all that's left is the vampire. Charlotte has to flee from the club, also. The club was hoping to use her as a lure to get James back to them. He is like a key part of the club's plan for their future. Because the club, despite being very exclusive and very powerful, is falling into decay losing members and power in a slow battle with time. Charlotte is rescued by a pair of vampire researchers. Vampire hunter is not yet an established profession, uh, and usually vampire hunters need to be somewhat monstrous themselves in order to effectively fight monsters. And I feel like I've talked about this before. I'm having like a major sense of deja vu. I wonder if it was in the Dracula episode. It doesn't matter. Research. Research can be done by anybody. There are so many questions about vampires. Obviously, questions that vampires themselves can't even answer. And I liked Owen's vampire lore and the way she brought in some unique elements and used different point of view characters to examine the vampires. So there are the vampire researchers who rescue Charlotte, and there's also a researcher working with the Egolius Club. He's been studying vampires for years under the patronage of the club, learning what they can do and exploring their limits. It's actually kind of unusual. Most vampires couldn't care less about research, about figuring out their whole deal. And I really liked how this framed 
research and exploration and the desire for understanding as a human trait. It's just another thing that vampires lose over time. Now, Charlotte's rescuers, Swift and Shadwell, try to convince her to leave, to get herself safely away from London and forget about James. His body may be walking around, but he's dead. The brother she knew will soon disappear entirely. But Charlotte cannot let go of her little brother. He's all that's left of her family now. He's her responsibility. She taught him how to read. She can't give up on him. Driven by the faintest hope that a cure for vampirism might exist somewhere, she throws herself into danger to rescue her brother. In the end, as is proper in a gothic novel, she fails. Charlotte rescues him from the Egolius Club, but she spends the rest of her life in a fruitless search for a cure. She finds fulfillment in her life in many ways. She has a husband. She sees the world and learns so much about vampirism and meets this community of people who also study and care about this thing. But though she seeks to the ends of the earth, she cannot find a solution for the vampire problem. And I enjoyed this. It was recommended to me a few years ago, and I finally got my hands on a copy. And it's not the normal kind of book that I like, because I do usually like for a dark book to have kind of a hopeful ending, but this was just so well done and satisfying in its construction and conclusion. The ending was inevitable. And not inevitable in a stupid way, like some books I could name. I keep going back to this line I heard from the Writing Excuses podcast, and one of the authors on it, she said, if you have to pick between something being surprising and something being inevitable, if you can only hit one of those things, hit inevitable rather than surprising. And I think Owen did a really good job making this one inevitable in a really satisfying way. I also, I liked how the country estate bookended the story and how much of a presence it was just like kind of lurking in the background for James and Charlotte the whole time. It was such a burden financially and emotionally, but also a place each of the siblings loved for their own reasons. And I liked the way Owen did her vampires. Like, the reason this book was recommended to me is because I was asking for good vampire books that did something interesting with them. And I think it can be difficult to do vampires in a fresh way. Obviously, we're sort of inundated with vampire nonsense. And we have been since Twilight, probably. Definitely one of the biggest uh, culprits. Honestly, a return to gothic vampires just feels right. I also liked that the words like that the word vampire was used very sparingly. I think it was like 
four or five times in the whole book, maybe. You know what kind of creatures they are. You don't have to name them. If you name them, you summon them or give them power. That's not actually a plot point in the book. That's just me, like, projecting. There's no romance to Owen's vampires. They inspire fear and fascination. They are humanity's predators, perfectly shaped to draw attention and lure in the unsuspecting. And it's just that vampires work so well in the Victorian era. And maybe that's just because that's where our modern image of them comes from. It's so shaped by Dracula. But vampires in the modern day feel like they lose some of their danger because they're often explained. Oh, that's just Bob the vampire down the street. He takes iron supplements and sleeps during the day and that's it. And like, I think that's a fun and interesting story too. But if you want to have like a vampire as a horror piece, part of the horror of the vampire is in the not knowing. Like, they belong in the crowded, dimly lit city streets, haunting your steps, danger lurking at your door, waiting to be invited in. Anyway, I had a good time with this book. I had a good time talking about this book. I hope you had a good time. If you want more media like this, try Sunshine by Robin McKinley and The Historian by Elizabeth Kostova, which I haven't actually finished. I'm only like halfway through, but it's very good, which are both modern-ish vampire stories done well. Join me next time to hear about Witchmark by C.L. Polk. As always, you can contact me at backlogbookspod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support it, the best way to do that right now is to rate and review it or just share it with a friend. You can find the podcast on Facebook at Backlog Books Podcast or at backlogbooks.com. The music is by Joseph McDade. You can hear more of his work at josephmcdade.com. Thank you for spending this rainy evening with me. I hope to talk with you again soon. Our author, Lauren, try to say that five times fast. Lauren Owen, Lauren Owen. Lauren Owen, Lauren Owen, Lauren Owen, Lauren Owen. God. Lauren Owen, Lauren Owen, Lauren. Wow. Lauren Owen, Lauren Owen, Lauren Owen. Lauren Owen, Lauren Owen. Hmm. Bad at tongue twisters, I guess. I think I knew that about myself already, actually. <laughs>